This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. All right, here we go. All right, so we're in week five. You've made it to week five. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys so much for continuing to come, for engaging in, uh, in this class. Really, the desire for our equipping classes isn't just that you would get equipped and that you would grow in your knowledge of the Bible and your knowledge of God and your ability to interact uh, with the scriptures, but so that you would be able to take that um, and be able to apply that in whatever context you're in, whether that's a connection group or you're discipling somebody or, or whatever, to e- even something as simple as like um, speaking to somebody about a different topic or issue, for you to feel equipped that you can actually go to your Bible and open up and say, what does the Bible say about that? Like, I know what I think about that. I know what you think about that. Um, but what does the Bible actually say about that? And so hopefully... Um, as we leave from, you know, once this class is done, the desire is that you would feel better equipped, at least in some way, to be able to go out and actually, like, multiply that, for that to bear fruit in your life and for this to have um, an influence broader than just, you know, yourself, where this doesn't just stay in your own brain, but informs a lot of what you do and how you interact uh, with people and with the scriptures itself. So um, you had some homework last week, and it was... Uh, to read chapter 7 and write a paraphrase of James 1 and then a one sentence uh, we'll we'll say theological principle really like the one sentence principle of the scripture that you're reading and so uh, go ahead at your table uh, with whoever you're with um, go ahead and talk about uh, what was your one sentence and what was what was difficult or easy or fun about paraphrasing James. Well, that, that might be a new practice for you, paraphrasing scripture. Uh, but talk about what was easy in that process and talk about what was difficult in that process. Then we'll come back here in, in a few minutes. All right. So what, from a few of you, what was easy or difficult about paraphrasing chapter one? Is this something that you're used to doing? Yeah. Okay. I think it's part of because my job, what I do, I take complex ideas and make them accessible to everybody. And so when I read this, I'm like, oh yeah, I can paraphrase all day long. So I did this one sentence. I was like, dying. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. do all this. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, they've already got it broke. I mean, you know, some versions you read. Sometimes it helps me paraphrase if I write an outline first, because I'm like, I'm very like linear thinker. So if I write an outline and use kind of those head titles as a guiding, then I can go back and paraphrase it. Um, And then I can simplify it even more to the one sentence after that. So I'm kind of more of steps. You're probably, are you just kind of like, 
you can just say it in one sentence? No. The, so the thing that's hard about uh, what you were asked to do, and it, it was on purpose, was you have a whole chapter. So the book of James is is incredibly, we'll say, modular. Like there's a lot of different ideas that kind of he seems to drop along the way. And so if you're taking a whole chapter of a book like James, you're like, I think he had like three main points. Why? Okay, how do I make that one thing, you know? Um, this is where reading the whole book at the beginning of your study will be helpful. We didn't have, I don't know that we had you do that, but um, kind of for future reference, like reading the whole book before you like dive down into studying the book will be really helpful because you'll be able to see it's kind of like flying over, you know, the big forest and then you parachute down and now you're able to see where the edges are, like how does this tree connect to this tree, you know, stuff like that. Where does, how does this theme connect to kind of what is overall being said in the book, stuff like that. That can help as you try to paraphrase too so you can know like, okay, I need to kind of focus in on this because it seems like James is hitting this particular thing. Um, James is a difficult one to do it though, yeah. so. It's like saying read Proverbs 28 and paraphrase it in one sentence. It's like there's so many yeah. different things in James. So yeah. It is difficult, yeah. but it's a good way to know, okay, how do I have the main point? If I can paraphrase it and say one sentence, I'm comprehending it, I've interpreted the meaning, and now you're gonna move on to application once you've got that bridge, like we talked about, the principalizing bridge. Um, so today we're talking about application, and before we jump right into application, we're gonna talk a little bit about prayer and the work of Holy Spirit and how that works into applying God's word to our life. Um, so the first point here, Sorry. it's okay. We're gonna, you can help me out. I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and listen. His <laughs> um, prayer is what changes our study from the pursuit of knowledge to the pursuit of God himself. So I'll say that again. Prayer is what changes our study for, from the pursuit of knowledge to the pursuit of God himself. If we're going to study the Bible and spend all this time in um, writing observations, comprehending the scripture... <laughs> I'm so distracted by that for a minute. You want to be in that room right now. <laughs> I forgot the leash was going on. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so if we're going to spend all this time in, you know, taking notes, finding the meaning, paraphrasing, we can get lost sometimes in just, okay, what is the meaning? How do we interpret it? And kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago, we can get really stuck on those those words and get lost in all of the commentaries. But if that's where we stay, then it's meaningless. It's completely meaningless because we're just filling our minds with more knowledge. And we can do that about anything. And it's not going to change us. But through the work of prayer and the Holy Spirit, that's when we can change it from just head knowledge to heart. And it'll change who we are. So for me, I think for a long time, just growing up in the church, growing up in a more conservative background, it was, you know, the, the sword drills, the Awana, you know, all of those are good things, but for me it was just knowledge. Just fill my brain with knowledge and I could tell you where it was found, I could tell you, you know, all about it, um, but it wasn't changing who I was until really just I understood that the Bible is about God and not about me. And when we understand that and we view it from that lens, it's like, okay, I'm not working on 
just, okay, how does this, how does this apply to my life? How am I going to change myself today? When I just stop myself and read it through the lens of, what does this tell me about God and who God is? And because God is holy, then I should live a holy life. Or because God is merciful, I should be merciful, merciful to my husband. Or because God is just, how does this apply to my life? Um, but through prayer just recently, that's really changed my life. Um, probably within the last year, I was convicted that I was jumping right into studying the word. And I felt like I had grasped the concept that the Bible is a book about God, and I was really being changed by that. But I wasn't spending time in prayer and just really focusing on that. And so probably a year ago, I just decided I'm going to get up earlier, and I'm going to spend the first you know, few, however long I have, maybe my goal is 30 minutes, but sometimes interruptions happen or whatever, but um, just to spend time going through a passage and praying through it and just asking God, would you just reveal yourself to me? And I'm not even going to start with like people I want to pray for or (laughs) things I want to pray for. I'm just going to go through a lot of times it's Psalms and just say, okay, this Psalm says that you know, God is holy. And so spend some time, God, you're holy. Thank you for being a holy God. Thank you for being perfect, God. Thank you for being perfect so I don't have to be perfect. And just praying through that. And that's really changed um, my pursuit of God's word when I'm starting with just delight in him. And then I can go to his word and that focuses my mind. Now I'm looking at the Bible through the lens of how great God is and I can understand more so that the Bible is a book about God himself. And then I'm not filling my brain with just knowledge. It's really changing who I am. Yeah, I read, a, I read an article this morning. I think it was titled um, something like <coughs> why your small group might need to stop studying the Bible or something, something provocative, you know. You're like, what? One of the things that I thought that was really helpful um, now this is this was more in the context of like what well, we would have like a connection group, but I think it still applies even individually. Where um, the the writer was describing the scenario where you get into a group setting and you start talking about a passage, and all of a sudden it feels like you're chasing every rabbit down every trail, and you're getting real like, I wonder what this means. It turns into this like maybe philosophical conversation or whatever. And one of the things they were saying was sometimes that can be uh, um, that can be a mechanism. Uh, through which we try to hide from actually having to address the main point of the text mm-hmm. and like actually be confronted by what the scripture is saying that's clear uh, so that we don't actually have to you know come to grips with what does that mean for me? How should that change how I think and how I feel and what I do? So I'm just going to kind of chase these rabbits down these trails and ask these kind of like vague questions about these vague things and because I don't want to get very specific at all with with what this might actually be saying to me. Um, I thought that was really good and really challenging, not just in a group setting, but even like in your own study. This isn't to say avoid things that are difficult or avoid things that, you know, there's nuances and man, I really want to dive deep down into that. That's not saying avoid that, but it is saying uh, if we're so often looking for the really difficult thing that we just totally miss the clear point that's in the scripture, uh, that could be something we're maybe inadvertently doing to try to avoid having to actually, you know, ask, like, how is this supposed to change me? Like, in light of who I see God to be, in light of who I see people to be, how should this actually change me? So I, it's, it was funny as they described it, because I've been in groups like that where uh, 
sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the people who ask the, the kind of nitpicky questions are also the people that it's hardest to get a real, like, how is God changing you? Like, like how are you delighting in the Lord? You know, it, it, those seem to go hand in hand a lot. And so for us to, to yeah, for us to be aware of that. So uh, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. So um, the Holy Spirit in Bible study, I, I think sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of God's cousin in our minds, like, and not God himself. Like the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit uh, has a function as it relates to uh, how we're to in, interact with and understand Scripture. And so the first one, uh, the Holy Spirit is the divine author of Scripture. The, oh, you got the verse in there. Awesome. Is the divine author of Scripture. And where we see this is 1 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Like, I, I, I love that translation. Like, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. In the same way that we see uh, God in creation, like speaking over the waters, that's also the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters of the deep. Like, all Scripture was and is inspired by the very breath of God. This wasn't just the biblical authors sitting down going like, oh, I wonder what I should write today, or just like, you know, journaling their experience. Like, this was like superimposed by the Holy Spirit through human authors as they wrote down the inspired word of God. So, so as we open our Bibles, we ought to approach it differently than any other book that we approach because it's not you know, inspired by John Piper, it's not inspired by Tim Keller, it's not inspired by anyone else but God himself. And so for us to know like the, the origin of these words is God himself through the Holy Spirit uh, ought to affect the way that we approach the scriptures. And so what would make sense is if I'm reading a book and the author walked in the room and I wasn't sure what something in the book meant, the best thing to do is ask the author. <laughs> you know, like you don't ask the author's friend. Like if you have the author there, you don't ask their friend or their little entourage or their publisher. It's like, no, like if Piper's there, I'm just gonna like, what what did you mean by that? You know? And a lot of times I think what can happen for us is that is that the author of scriptures dwells within believers. Like we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. If you're a believer, like, like you have been given the Holy Spirit, the very author of scripture. So we have the author with us constantly. And so what doesn't make sense is if we approach the scriptures and we don't understand it, or we're trying to seek meaning, and all of a sudden we run to a bunch of commentaries, a bunch of tools, and all those things are great, but it's like, dude, you got the author like with you, like within you. Like, ask the author what he meant. And so to, to understand that all scripture is God-breathed is crucial as we approach the scriptures. Because so often for me, and, and it's what Sarah was kind of feeling about, I so often just jump right in. And don't even ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand what I'm about to read because he wrote it. And so for us to understand that. So all scriptures God breathed. The Holy Spirit's the divine author. Um, and then the next, the next one, it's kind of posed as a question, but uh, can anyone grasp the word of God apart from being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Uh, this text isn't up on, on the screen for you. I'm going to look it up here so we can read it, though. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2. 
uh, 6 through 14 says, Huh? Does anybody have it ready? Yeah, if anyone has it, you can go ahead and read it. Go ahead. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart the secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Yeah, so the answer to that question, can anyone grasp the Word of God apart from being empowered by the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. And so it makes total sense that unbelievers wouldn't understand the Bible, or at least understand it, um, sorry, or at least understand it in the way that it's meant to be understood by the Holy Spirit because they don't have the divine author living within them. And so unbelievers certainly can understand parts of Scripture and stuff like that, but it's never going to click and come together. Click is the... Is, is the I've heard so many stories of people, uh, and people in my own family included, where it was like, man, I just did not understand, and then for some reason it just clicked. Like, that's the language that they'll use, and it's like, that's because... And specifically in reference to when they came to faith, you know, and like, and then all of a sudden the Bible started making sense to them, and they're kind of like, why? Like, this has said the same thing. Why is this all of a sudden starting to make sense? It's because they have the Holy Spirit of God living within them. So apart from the Spirit, we're hopeless to actually understand uh, what the Word is saying. Uh, yeah, that's, that's verse 11. No one knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So if we want to understand and comprehend the thoughts of God, we have to have a deep dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I know depending on your background, like that might hit you differently, right? Like I, I also grew up in this fairly conservative, like, like cessationist sort of thing where it's like the Holy Spirit's scary and makes you do weird things. So like let's just, thanks Holy Spirit, but we're going to have like, Father, son, and then you can come for Thanksgiving, like kind of thing, you know. And it was, it was this kind of like because because it seemed mystical and spooky or whatever, you know. But it's like no, uh, the Holy Spirit is necessary for us in order to understand the scriptures, and so no wonder it doesn't make sense half the time because we're not asking the author uh, for help. Speak to that verse fourteen. Yeah. You know that natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand him. Mm. That just really meant a lot to me when I was trying to, you know, in my limited wisdom, figure out somebody who knows 
scripture, knows the Bible, mm. you know, but yet they're not walking in the truth or they don't mm. profess Christ. And it, and it is, it's that salvation moment. Mm. And so that just, yeah, just realizing it is folly to them. And until God gets a hold of their heart, and says, mm-hmm. you know, it's your time and you will. And I was just really grateful for that verse. Absolutely. For that, for that understanding because, um, yeah, we don't, we don't know. And mm-hmm. that was, yeah, really revealing to me. It's such a it, it's such a worshipful <laughs> thing too, because like the Holy Spirit's a gift. What a gift! Yeah. yeah. That's, your, that's your gift. Mm-hmm. That's a gift given to us yeah. to yeah. to understand who God is. Like like it truly is a gift. Um, so what can we expect the Holy Spirit to do for us mm-hmm. when interpreting the Bible? That, that's kind of an awkward question because it's not the Holy Spirit's not a means <clears throat> to an end, right? He's God Himself, but um, but the Holy Spirit, we can be confident uh, that the Holy Spirit will help us as we read the Bible and seek out the meaning of Scripture, as we go through that hard process of interpretation, that, that's totally necessary. What can we expect the Holy Spirit to do for us when interpreting the Bible? Oh, there we go. Let's see here. The indwelling of the Spirit does not make valid interpretation automatic. The indwelling of the Spirit does not make valid interpretation Automatic and um, part of this, Jen Wilkin. I think she, I think she addresses this in the book, but but I've heard her say it over and over again. It's like live in the tension, like live in the tension of Scripture. Like don't try to short circuit the process, um, because in the process of living in the tension of of maybe when you're approaching the Bible and and something isn't clear. This isn't you trying to avoid what's clear, but something just isn't clear. Uh, don't try to as quickly as you can remove yourself from the tension that you feel in that, where it's like, I don't understand what that means, or it seems like this is saying one thing, but you know, maybe scripture says something different over here, like, or surely that can't mean that, because that seems, especially as you read through the Old Testament, it's like, that, that offends my own sense of morality. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, don't try to so quickly get out of that tension that you lose what's gained in the process. Okay, it, it would kind of, it's, it's kind of like uh, every infomercial for an exercise thing you've ever seen, where it's like, it tries to, it's like trying to short circuit, you know, a killer body and good health, when it's like, it's actually exercise and eat right and do that for your whole life. Like, let's just, you know, like, <laughs> that's what it is. But it's like, we don't like that, and that's not the easiest thing to do. So it's like, so we want the pill, we want the, the thing we can put on. We want the, those little like electrode things that'll like work out for you. I don't know, I don't understand that. You know, <laughs> whatever that is, like we want, we want that shortcut. And, and you can't shortcut your health. And in the same way, we, we ought not shortcut ourselves as we're reading the scripture by trying to remove ourselves from the tension. It's in the tension that, that we're gonna develop those muscles. Honestly, it's in the tension that you're gonna rely on the spirit the most. And so when you try to get yourself out of, of not understanding things, um, what you're inadvertently doing, the unintended consequence uh, can be that you're not learning dependence on the Holy Spirit to help you understand what the scripture is saying. And so the longer we can, uh, not that you're trying to belabor the point, but understanding when you're at a point of tension uh, in, in the scriptures, that that's actually an opportunity for you to once again express your dependence on God 
for him to show you what the meaning of this text is and know that you might not get that uh, within the first 30 minutes. You might not get that within the first week of studying a passage of scripture, but that dependence time and time again is gonna build up uh, that, that, that muscle of study and that dependence uh, posture that we, that we have to have as we're approaching the scripture. So uh, we are indwelled with the spirit. Uh, he is a gift to us and helps us understand the scriptures, but it doesn't mean all of a sudden that everything's gonna be easy. Yeah, and you can't, I think it's easy to become discouraged when you open your Bible and it's like, well, I don't understand it right away, so I guess I don't hear the Holy Spirit or there's something wrong with me or why does that person seem to get it right away and I just like have to read it over and over and over and over again. But what you don't see is that other person, whoever you're comparing yourself to, belaboring over it and studying it and working through it. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it also just takes practice. I know we've said it multiple times, but the best way to learn how to read your Bible is to do it. And so the more you do it, the more you can hear the Holy Spirit or listen and understand better. And you, you know more of the Bible because you've been in the Bible and so you can reference other scriptures like we talked about two weeks ago. Um, so it really is just a, a continual process of practicing it. And so don't be discouraged or don't think like, oh, I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit right away helping me. So what's wrong with me? There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, so. There's layers. Yes. Mm -hmm. layering on top. Yeah. Just revealing new things each time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the Spirit doesn't make valid interpretation automatic, um, it, which also means, uh, one, it means live in the tension, and we want to do that. But it also means uh, we must still use the minds, methods, and tools God has given us to interpret the Bible accurately. Uh, I, I want to say, it, it's, it's, this is, I think this is true. All heresy uh, has come from a misunderstanding of the Bible. So as, as you get more into your, your studies, you know, in, in theology and in, in false teaching particularly, it's like what you're going to see most often when it comes to heresies that are addressed throughout church history, those things come from a, from a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of, of, of particular things in Scripture to the exclusion of the rest. And so part of what this is, yes, it's good to live in the tension. It's good to, to not immediately run to tools and resources when, when you feel that tension, like live in that for a while, develop that dependence on the spirit that we need. And in that spirit of dependence still, praise God for having worked through the spirit in other people to help us understand scripture, right? Like for some, I, I get really leery of people who are just like, well, it's just me and the Bible and the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to read anything else. I don't want to listen. Like, I've talked to people like that, where it's like they won't, they won't even open a commentary ever. And really what that is, like, they'll try to say, well, this is just me trying to, to depend on the Holy Spirit. And it's like, no, I think you're just really proud because you're assuming that the Holy Spirit hasn't worked in anyone else to also understand this part of Scripture, this struggle that you're feeling, you know. So while we depend on the Spirit, also use the minds, methods, and tools that God has given us. And so what I would say, like, if you're like, if it seems like you're saying two things, like, live in the tension, depend on the Spirit, um, and don't run to these things, use these things. I'm going both. Like, 
It's like don't automatically run to these tools, methods, and rely on your mind, but don't totally neglect those either. Like these these resources that we have uh, should be part of our process and understanding the scriptures as well. So don't don't become that person because again. I can't name names, but I'm just like, I've met these people, and it's been so frustrating because it's like, do you don't understand. Like, this, this is a false teaching that you're believing because you're refusing to listen to any outside voices. And so we don't want to fall into that trap either. So, like, how long should you then, like, sit in attention before you seek out the tools? Yeah, I don't have a formula for that. Um, I'd say longer than you would like. Uh, yeah as long like long enough for you to be pretty uncomfortable and continue praying continue depending um but not not forever right uh so I, i don't know how long that is for you I don't know, you know, it's I think it's it depends on your season, too, and what your mm-hmm. study looks like for your season. So my Bible study is going to look very different than Jake's Bible study in just where we're at right now. And so for you, in studying for a sermon, you might sit longer because you might have longer to just sit and observe the text or whatever. Me, maybe I'd go two days of just like reading and chewing on it and then I'm going to go to some help but you might be a week two weeks or whatever you know it just depends on the season and so there's not really like it's just creating that tension in your mind to train yourself to think and look up scripture by yourself before you just go straight to oh what does so and so say about this yeah It, it might even be just like creating an arbitrary like I'm gonna live in this tension for a day. I mean, we we can start off with that too. You know, even even for like studying for messages, there is a point where it's like I can't live in this indefinitely because I have to I have to understand this. Like, <laughs> you don't have can't be figuring this out on Saturday. You know, kind of things because that's that's impossible. So, um, but yeah, it'll vary, uh, which I know that's not a satisfying answer. But <laughs> um, so the Holy Spirit, uh, we can expect. As we're talking about what we can expect the Holy Spirit to help us with, um, a lot of these are in the negative because I think a lot of times we have uh, unrealistic expectations as to, as to what the Holy Spirit will do as we approach the Bible. The Holy Spirit does not create new meaning or provide new information. So you're not, you're not going to have some, like, I was walking in the woods, and all of a sudden there was this, like, and this is where outside resources are really helpful because if you have an interpretation of scripture that nobody else has ever had, um, you're wrong. Like, that's not, an, that's not an indication that you're right or creative. That's an indication that you're just wrong. Like, you know, and the, again, that's where these outside resources are helpful. Most of the times, the way I'm using outside resources is like, am I on the rails here? Like, not trying to have a commentator be the Holy Spirit for me, but it's like, man, it seems like the Spirit is saying something that to me that he hasn't ever said to anyone else as it relates to this passage. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not God's gift to humanity here where I've all of a sudden figured this out, you know? <laughs> and so uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't create new meaning or provide new information in a way to help check yourself against that is by using these outside tools and resources. Um, 
and by, by reading in community, discussing what you're reading within the community of believers, uh, that helps safeguard you as well. Um, let's see here. I, wa- I want to get to this. This uh, Let's see here. Da-da-da-da. We can rely on the Spirit to help us grasp the meaning of God's Word. So we can't, like, the Spirit doesn't make interpretation automatic. Uh, The Spirit does not create new meaning or provide new information. Uh, But what we absolutely can be sure is that the Spirit, we can rely on the Spirit. The Spirit is dependable, is reliable to help us grasp the meaning of God's Word. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. I'm trying to, you'll see why I'm, I'm hesitating. Here we go. Okay. The Spirit does not change the Bible to suit our purposes or to match our circumstances. The Spirit does not change the Bible to suit our purposes or to match our circumstances. Now, now here's, here's how that can happen. Um, and I basically, I stole these slides from... Uh, the, the class that we generally have in the spring from the Biblical Teaching Lab. Um, so if you've been in that, this will look familiar. Uh, what we call this is inspired reading. And what this is, is in, inspired reading is essentially approaching a text and whatever moves your spirit in private must be the meaning, uh, must be what the meaning revealed... Uh, had, must be the meaning revealed by the Holy Spirit. Must be the meaning revealed by the Holy Spirit. Like, so here's how this looks. You open your Bible. You're going through whatever you're going through in life. You got a struggle. You got an issue. You got something that's great. You got whatever. Open your Bible. And all of a sudden, you're reading. And then something just seems really moving to you. Because it's like, oh, man, that seems to relate exactly to this thing that I'm going through. Like, I really feel that. That just seems like... Uh, like you have this kind of like emotional response. Um, that's not bad, but just to be clear, like every emotional response we have can't automatically be interpreted as being the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now this isn't me trying to squelch those experiences or be or be that that guy of like what I grew up, where it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, we'll see you at Christmas kind of thing. But it is going like. Don't trust yourself so much that whatever just moves you in your in your heart automatically that that that's what that text actually means. Like it's not just oh I just really felt this like this just really spoke to me, uh, and that must be what that means. Here here's how that process can tend to work. We'll read something. We'll sit there. We'll meditate on it. We'll kind of think about it. We'll read it again. We'll contemplate kind of see how it makes us feel and then we'll start to kind of like uh, um, analyze our own feelings about it or how or how this is just so it's like oh man I, I didn't really realize like oh yeah that that is my Goliath you know because like this it's like yeah the story of David and Goliath is not about you slaying your Goliaths right like because you're not David yeah. So, and then, because that can be so easy to like read that into. It's like, man, I've had, I have this really hard thing at work, and man, David slayed his Goliath, and I just got to trust God that this, that this thing happened. It's like, no, you do realize, like, 
you are more like the brothers hiding, you know, behind their little brother, like inactive, unable to do anything against this enemy, than you are David. Like in no scenario are believers today uh, David slaying Goliath. Like that, if there is an archetype for David, it's Jesus himself. Like, and we are the ones doing nothing, like contributing nothing, doing nothing, totally fearful, totally inactive. Like that is the thing. So a lot of times for us in inspired reading, we can try to read ourselves into the text that we're reading. This has been, um, you know, because I'm making it sound like, well, it's like only, <coughs> only stupid people do that. Like this has been my struggle in preparing for next week's message. So uh, we, we're starting Judges today. Uh, this morning it's like Judges 2 and then next week we're jumping ahead we're flying through it and we're going straight to the story of Gideon and this has been the thing that I've had to come back to again and again and again and again as I'm studying Gideon not trying to insert myself or situations and lay it over the story it's like man this, this is how it makes me feel like Gideon was this so I must be this and you know, the, the Midianites are this, and that must be this, like trying to, trying to turn it into this big allegory for my own life. Like this has been the struggle that I've had of having some sort of inspired reading, like how does this make me feel? And that must be what the meaning of the text is. Um, essentially what this does, it, it equates your spirit to the Holy Spirit. It equates however you feel to automatically being what the Holy Spirit must be uh, saying or revealing. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say it's never that, but I'm, what, I, what I'm trying to say is it's not always that. <coughs> like, I hope that as we read the Bible, like, we are engaging, we are engaged in our emotions because we're whole people. Like, we can't, we can't separate our mind from our emotions, right? But, but we, we got to make sure that the right lead foot takes place. And if I'm constantly leading my interpretation, if the lead foot in my interpretation is, is my, are my own feelings, uh, that's going to... That, that, that's really thin ice uh, for how we're going to understand the scripture. You had a little kind of thing as we were talking about this. Yeah, I, I think it's really common for females to fall into this trap because we are more emotional beings, and God created us that way. And so we can't just shove that aside and say, well, God doesn't want me to feel. That's not true either. But when we go to the scriptures, and it's, you know, kind of ties into the spirit does not create new meaning also. But when we go to the scriptures, again, starting with prayer, aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit, and okay, what do you have to say to me? And then bringing, if you're struggling with something, bringing it to the Lord in prayer first, and then laying it before him, and then what does what does the Bible have to say and not reading everything into it? So, for example, you're going to see this a lot in like junior highers, high schoolers, maybe even college students who are like reading the Bible and it's like, oh my goodness, I just read Song of Solomon and I am God's beloved and so I need to break up with my boyfriend. It's like, well, okay, so there's a few things going on here. That's not the interpretation that the Bible is saying because... The Bible wasn't written for you and your boyfriend. But what you can do is you can read, okay, what does the Bible say? Who is God and how does this apply to my life? But you can't just, like you're saying, lay over whatever you're going through right now and just like instantly apply it to that situation. You need to go through the steps and ask God to reveal himself and then allow him to work through that. 
So I think the most important thing is to align your feelings and emotions with who God is first mm. and then allow him to work through that because we can have feelings. We just have to align it with who God is first. Yeah, and as we talk through the, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, as it relates to Bible study, observation, interpretation, application, the Spirit brings the meaning of the Bible to bear on the reader. If you, if you As you read throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is the means and the empowerment through which God often works. And so as we, as we look to the Holy Spirit, it's not just, it's not only reveal to me the meaning, it's also empower me to live out this meaning, right? And so that's where this quote um, in your binder is, uh, comes into play on uh, page two, I think, of your week five. If all scripture is God-breathed, so uh, from our passage in Timothy, then knowing what the Bible says without living it out means that we see God's authority as merely hypothetical and thus places us in the actual seat of authority in our lives. Knowledge without change is like instruction without authority and is nothing more than deism wearing Christian clothing. Now, deism is, uh, is believing that there is a, is a higher power, maybe even believing that there is a God, uh, but that he doesn't actually act within our world. Like he just kind of, he may have even created the world and just kind of spun it on its axis and then just walked away. Um, when we read the Bible and understand what it says and don't actually uh, seek to live that out in our life, we're essentially uh, being Christian deists, you could say, where it's like, well, it doesn't really matter anyway because God doesn't really care because he's not really involved in any real way. And so even if it doesn't matter whether I, whether I know this, whether I live this, um, so application refers to the process, or refers to the response of the reader to the meaning of the inspired text, and will vary from Christian to Christian. And this is where uh, we talked about, gosh, this was like, what, week two or week three, um, what we need to stop asking. Yeah, so the stop, what we need to stop asking is, do you want to put the slide oh, up here? We must stop asking, what does this passage mean to me? So we see this a lot in connection groups. Um, we'll read the passage and we'll say, so what does it mean to you? Or what this passage means to me? Um, instead, we should ask, what does this passage mean and how do I apply this meaning to my life? So instead of going straight to what does it mean to me, it's what does this passage say? How, again, what's the correct interpretation and how does this change my life? So an example of this was uh, I was studying the Bible with one of my friends in Des Moines, and she was a new believer, wanted to learn how to study her Bible, and she's like, all right, let's read some different, I, I think we went through like three books of the Bible together, and um, I loved her posture towards the Bible. She was very quick to just like, okay, this is what God says, this is what I'm going to do. But we were reading through one of the passages, and one of them was talking about Paul was writing to um, I'm Corinthians, Corinthians um, about head coverings, and the women should have head coverings. And she came, I remember we were meeting in Panera, and she came and she's like, man, that was great chapters. Um, do I need to buy a head covering? 
And she was so <laughs> serious. And I was like, Nicole, I love your heart right now because it's just so quick to obedience. But what we have to understand is what is the correct interpretation of the passage? And this is, it, it's a great example of reading the, the passage in their town, finding that principalizing bridge, taking it to our town. So what she did was she read it in their town and just took it straight to our town. It's like, okay, head covering, I need a head covering. It's like, okay, but what's the principalizing bridge? The principalizing bridge is how do I submit to my husband and show that I'm submissive to his authority and I'm a married woman, all of those things. And so it's like, okay, in our culture today, a head covering does not signify that I'm a married woman and I submit to my husband. In that culture, that was how they showed that. But in our culture, there's other things that we can show that we respect our husband, love our husband, submit to him. And so how does that apply to my life? But she was just so quick to just like, okay, what does this mean to me? I'm going to do this. So being careful to read the, the Bible with the Bible and also finding those, just like what we've been talking about, it all builds on top of itself. So we're going to comprehend it. We're going to find that principalizing bridge, and then we're going to apply it to our life and not be so quick to just, what does this mean to me? Mm. And also when we read and we just ask, what does this mean to me? It's taking out, again, that the Bible is a book about God. And so sometimes what this means or how this applies to my life is just pure worship of who God is. So when we can read a passage, it might just look like, wow, I'm just going to sit and thank God for being who he is, rather than just so quickly, what does this mean to me? Um, so from that, we're just going to kind of summarize the steps here, again, of how to apply meaning. Mm -hmm. So this, this really kind of flies over the last four weeks. Um, so how do we apply meaning? We summarize the original situation and meaning of the text for the biblical audience. So we summarize that. Find out, find out you know, what, what they would have heard when they heard this. So we summarize. And then we measure. And that goes, uh, measure the width of the river to cross. And that this picture might be helpful here with the culture, language, time, situation, all that stuff. Uh, back to that First Corinthians example with, with Nicole. It was like, okay, how, how did they display uh, being under authority in the context of a marriage relationship? Oh, that's very different for them. That's, and that's where these head coverings came in. So we measure the width of the river. So we cross the principalizing bridge. So again, with that example, it's like, okay, so it's not head coverings that, that are an example of that, but for us, it may be uh, the way that I act, uh, the, way, the things that I wear. Like, to, to, not have, to not wear a head covering in the context of the gathering for the Corinthian believers was essentially to say, I'm single, ready to mingle, uh, and I am my own self. Like, I am autonomous. Like, you know, and so often, uh, there are ways that we can express that in our own Americanized version that isn't a head covering, but it's up on, you know, it's other things. So cross the principalizing bridge uh, by listing the theological principle or principles in the passage, and then grasp the text in our town. And the grasping part, grasping the text in our town is this application part. And so 
really, this is, this is where those questions come in. What does this teach me about God? And what does this teach me about people? So when you're reading a text, because the Bible is a, first a book about God, what does this teach me about God? And what does this teach me about people? And then the next question uh, should be to the effect of how should this change how I feel, what I think, and what I do. So often we can get stuck on, not stuck, it's, it's good, um, but again, we're whole people. So it's not just, okay, what am I going to do this week? And it's like, okay, so long as we understand what we're asking when we say do, like, because what you do could be what you do with your hands, but it could be what you do with your mind. It could be what you do with your feelings. Like, how do I think? How should, how should I think? How should I feel? What should I do? It makes me think of, um, uh, I think it's in a, um, it's either John or Luke, uh, where, uh, where Jesus is talking to this man and it's, uh, he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, it's the question of what's the greatest command? And that really is the blueprint, blueprint for what is a disciple? A disciple is somebody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their feelings, with all their soul. And as best as I can think of how the start, as far as how the heart and the soul interact, it's like with your feelings and like the depth of those feelings. Like with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, with all your mind, what you think, we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, the Apostle Paul says that, and with all of our strength, like with all of the strength that we have, with the physical bodies that we have, like love the Lord your God, how you feel, how you think, and with what you do. Like if that is what being a disciple is, and when I go to the scriptures, I have to ask, okay, who is God? If I'm supposed to love this God, I need to know who this God is. I need to understand who people are if I'm going to love this God in the way that he desires to be loved and followed, not in the way that I think I should. And how do I do that? With my feelings, with my mind, and with my hands. And so that's where we're getting, that's where we get into the application. So if you're able to approach a text, understand what it says, and then just ask those questions, that'll help us not get lost in the weeds as we try to avoid actually applying the text in our life. I mean, that's part of the reason, honestly, that, <laughs> that we put James as the, as the text for this, because as we get to application, James is, might be one of the most, at least uh, easily recognizable books of scripture, where it's like, the applications are pretty front and center. Like, you're, you're not having to, you know, look for that fruit there. It's pretty low-hanging. So it's like, okay, Let's, let's have us like study through James because that's going to be a fairly low-hanging fruit as it relates to how do we apply this mm-hmm. in our lives. So um, any questions on anything that we've discussed so far this morning as it relates to application? Yeah, no, but it's... It's a great question. It is a great question, and it's something that I still don't know how to do either all the time. <laughs> you really um, should do this? And let us know when you still, figure it out. I'm still learning how to do that. Um, so I think for me, probably, probably within the last year, as I spent more time in prayer, it's helped me see that sometimes, depending on the time of month or depending on what I'm what's going on in my life, I can be so, um, like a cloud is 
over my eyes of just like, this is how I feel. So everything that I'm going to view, whether it be what Jake says to me or what my kids do or the car that pulls out in front of me or the laundry on the floor, like I'm going to view it all through. I'm so overwhelmed. I can't handle this. I'm, you know, my life is terrible or whatever. And it's like, no, actually, that's just the feelings that I'm viewing everything through. So when I can recognize that and go, okay, God, I'm waking up this morning and I am just so overwhelmed and I don't know why, but would you just help me to see clearly and help me to know, okay, you're in control, you understand this, and I'm here's how I'm feeling and I want you to help me, help me have self-control. That's, that's a big thing, just praying through like, okay, help me have self-control when I am feeling like I don't have the patience for this or I'm really angry today and this is my overwhelming feeling is just anger today. So God, okay, I know God that you are slow to anger. Help me to be like you. So just recognizing what you're feeling and rather than just like, well, that's just how I'm feeling. I think so often in culture, it's like, well, that's just how I feel today. So I'm going to just treat everybody this way because I can't help it. I can't control my feelings when it's No, actually, we can control our feelings because we've been given the Holy Spirit who he helps us, he enables us to have the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those might be self-control or one of those might be love. And so just asking God to help you transform your heart and your mind and live accordingly to that. So it's not a matter of like, I'm just not going to feel this anyway. Like I still feel overwhelmed or I still feel angry, but I'm going to ask God and continue to ask God throughout the day. God, would you help me to live according to who you are? Treat my husband how you want me to treat him, not how I feel like I want to treat him today, but this is how you want me to. So it's just, it's a lot of prayer and asking God to transform our heart and our mind and then doing it. So. One of the things that's helpful on, a, on just like a <clears throat> base level, practical level is like um, if you walk around our house, you'll see verses kind of everywhere. It's not because we're super spiritual. It's because we're really forgetful. You know? so like, <laughs> and really sinful. And really <laughs> sinful. Like the more verses you see, it's like that's how much we're struggling here. Because like, yeah, you know, so it's like, like we'll just have note cards, you know, and, and a lot of them bend towards telling, reminding us of who God says that he is in his word and because really it is like yeah aligning our emotions it's like god you are gracious you are slow to anger abounding in steadfast love like man if you if you've seen our mornings lately like with our kiddos that is not the, that's not the overflow of what you're getting a lot you know so it's like i got to be reminded like this is who god is like and i'm a representative of god to these children and so i have to align my own feelings and responses with the truth of who God is. Mm-hmm. And so even if that's like really just re-wallpapering your house with like verses, not because you're some pious person, but it's like, man, we're, we're struggling here. Uh, that's what we do. And I mean, it's the Ziploc baggie, you know, in the shower because it stays there forever if it gets wet on the back, you know? So it's like got verses there. It's just, it really is like reminding ourselves of who God is. And that, that helps align. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the, we have a, a Bible study or a, a book for, 
for kids, and it's been more helpful for me. Um, but one of the examples that they use, um, and it's for First John 4.20, I believe, that says, um, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So God is greater than our, than our emotions. Some translations might say that, and he knows everything. But the example it gives is clouds in front of mountains or clouds in front of stars. So sometimes we feel like God's not there or we feel like God doesn't hear us or we feel like he doesn't understand. It's just our feelings that are clouding our view of the situation. But the mountains don't ever move. The stars don't go away. It's just the clouds that um, are hiding it right there. So just knowing that, okay, here's how I feel Let's align that to what is true. What is true about this situation, and how do I feel about it? Yeah, that's a long answer to your good question, though. So, yeah. More questions about application. All right, so next week. Um, next week's the last week. Hopefully, this class as a whole has been beneficial for you. I, the homework, read Women of the Word, Chapter 5, and the conclusion. Um, and then read back through James 1. Repetition's helpful. Uh, and consider your, your personal application. The text has one meaning, but we'll have many applications, and it'll vary uh, from person to person. And so if, if you walk away not knowing how this is supposed to actually impact your life and your season and your situation like this is this has been a kind of a waste to be honest and so consider how it applies to your life um, what does this teach me about God about myself and other people and what do I need to change what I think how I feel what I do uh, in light of what's true about God and what's true about myself um, next week also is uh, the section on lifelong learning and so next week there's going to be a panel and so Amanda Jackson's taking the lead foot and kind of walking through some of the notes. Um, but really, in those bullet points that you see on that last page of your, uh, of your um, study notes, we're going to have um, Amanda Jackson, Nick and Mary Center, and Christina Hannon are going to be up here. And basically just kind of like walking through, like, as we leave from this class and as we leave from this place, how do we continue to cultivate these things in our daily lives and our daily rhythms? Because we're not going to have you know, a class to go to every Sunday that's going to keep hitting that flywheel for us. And so how do we recognize our life rhythms and incorporate these things in really helpful ways? And I, I think those, uh, those four really have some awesome takeaways. Cause, and they kind of represent different life, mm -hmm. life stages as well. So You don't want to miss it. Yeah, so that, be that'll good. be really, really good. Um, I won't be able to make it because I'm teaching, but I'm going to listen to it afterwards. So, uh, yeah. That's all we got for you this morning. Got done a little early. We got a ton of baptisms today. So if you're planning on jetting out, not going to second service, you probably are going to want to actually like change your plans because it's awesome. There, Troy Nesbitt's here, ton of baptisms at the end. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see you in second service. So thanks for coming, you guys.